0: Just a quick note before you jump into today's episode. Leah was fighting a ghost in the wires today, so the uh, internet dropped out on her a couple of times. We uh, cleaned up the uh, audio as best I could, and uh, I think the episode still stands up pretty well. So just be forewarned that there are a couple of uh, couple of drops that we've shortened up,
1: and uh hope you enjoy it. I am Lee Bamba. I'm the CEO of a UK development company called The Game Creators, and I dare say you've used one or two of our game making products in the past. You are listening to Legends of Tabletop. Hey everybody, this is John,
0: and this is Vince,
1: and you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Creating legends one die at a time.
0: I have. I'm so thankful to have you here with us, Lee. Um, you have a long history with uh, computer development and working with the uh, PC industry as well. We were just speaking of a article Uh, from the beginning of your experience. I can see the headline on the wall next to you, the champion of the industry. Can you tell us a little (laughs) bit about that before we dive into why we're here?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, this does really, does take you way back to the dawn of time. In fact, the article is completely faded now. You can't even read the text. But essentially what that was, uh, was a small coal mining village in the north of England and some some little kid decided to play in with computers And before he got ostracized out into the world he created a bit of software and set up a business around it and started selling it and uh, that was in 1999 and that's when my company was incorporated but my story began a lot earlier than that you could go back another ten years I think I was um, nine years old when I got my first computer called the VIC-20. It was an 8-bit supercomputer that had a massive 3.5 kilobytes of memory. And that's all you had to do, all your programming and your graphics and sound and so everything. <laughs> and I was writing games at, at nine years old. I was publishing them when I was 11 years old, with articles and small games. And, of course, this story has probably been repeated from geeks around the world, a few times. We just kept on doing it. We got new computers. We did more things until to uh, um, sort of maturity, where we are uh, taking things very seriously and doing big products and publishing things and doing very well at it. Or you got out before you realised <laughs> what you were getting yourself into and got a real job.
0: <laughs> no. I'm glad oh, I stuck man. with it. I am too. I mean, because you've brought you brought us uh, let's let's lead into let's lead in with your work with Lego Mindstorm. Oh,
1: How did wow. that yes. come about? Well, that wasn't really me. Um, obviously did lots of games and, and things like that just as a hobby and, and did like that. But then I had a choice. I was at university and I could either become a professor and teach stuff for the rest of my life or I could go out and get a real job. And so I decided to go out and get some money. And it was a publisher called EuroPress Software who hired me. It was my first ever interview. And I went in with a CD that thick of all the games I'd created. So it was a very short interview. They offered me the job on the spot. And every year I got a pay rise, every single year. I didn't even ask for one. They just wanted to keep me. So after about four or five years, I had my own little desk and I was really happy. And then I was selected, me and another group of people, to go to Denmark to assist LEGO in creating Logo Blocks, which is a programming language for kids. So you just basically click blocks together in a logical order. You transmit that to a robot, and then the robot comes to life and runs around. It scans for colors. It climbs up walls. It does all that really cool and clever stuff. And over the course of two years, the team I was sent with left one by one. And by the end, it was just me getting on a plane on uh, Saturday, flying, this tiny little 12-seater plane, flying to Billund in the middle of Denmark on my own doing <laughs> the work and then flying all the way back a couple of days later. And I never even went into the publisher's office, there was no time. I'd work from home, I'd fly mm-hmm. to Denmark, come back, carry work in. And by the end of that, I hadn't seen the inside of my employee, employers for like a year. And I didn't want to go back. So I thought, well, I'm going to set up a company now because Mm -hmm. I feel like I kind of got liberated. And when you're drinking orange juice, looking out a window at 30,000 feet, a guy from Wigan thinks I've made it at this point and I can do anything I want. So that gave me the confidence to set up my first company called uh, basic software. But we changed the name shortly after because everyone thought it was a bit sinister dark basic like is it satanical or anything like that uh, so we changed it to the game creators which is a bit friendlier and a bit yeah. easier to pronounce so <laughs> uh, yeah that was but lego itself amazing the first time i went there, entire streets and buildings each side, all robotic, no humans work there; just completely automated processes to build all the different things that you see. And then when you went to, to the research and development divisions of Lego, um, really cutting-edge stuff, they had entire offices full of graphics and sound processing computers, and they won't even be used. They bought them just in case they would need multi-million-pound hardware to run this sort of this new era. Because they've been selling toys for a hundred years, computers was a relatively new thing for them. And they brought in my publisher at the time, who I was working for, because we had a lot of experience in that. That. I think they did quite well, it. but after the first version they got rid of all those and brought in a lot of new programmers and they did the second and the third generation and uh, I'm glad to see that it's carried on and it's such a really fun way for kids to get into programming without knowing that they're actually learning some really serious life skills if they want to yeah. get into the games industry. But yeah, it was awesome. Staying at the Legoland Hotel,
0: uh-huh. um,
1: all expenses paid whilst you were working there was amazing. <laughs> oh man,
0: I. That, that was one heck of an experience. It
1: was. It was awesome. It made me. I think it made me that one, one, one year.
0: Don't get choppy, broadcast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, boo 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 boo. I think we have um, uh, some choppy seas. Uh, I'm still. I think something's frozen. <laughs> Come on, internet, speed up. Maybe if I switch some things off. I imagine service will be resumed shortly (laughs) I would imagine all of this gets edited out (laughs) oh god
0: yeah oh no I got dumped for a second there I apologize I I don't know what happened you allowed Um,
1: me to have a drink of tea you see so
0: oh absolutely because tea and coffee and I think this would be a perfect time to have a word from our sponsors Easy Roller Dice Company is dedicated to your gaming success with a broad assortment of dice, gaming mats, dice bags, metal dice, attractive sets of dice with finely created bags. You name it, there is a good chance that they have it available for you. EasyRollerDice.com for a limited time, use the code LEGENDS10 at checkout for an additional discount. And I, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today despite the issues that I've had with my Wi-Fi and I'm definitely going to look more seriously tonight. Um, but hopefully that is the only hiccup that we'll have to deal with for the rest of the broadcast. And, and thank you so much for your graciousness and generosity with your time. Um, let's see, where were we? Uh, We were talking, we had just finished off with your stay at the Lego hotel the last time that you were there. And, uh, and where did you move on in this journey of living a creative life?
1: Oh, well, uh, I, towards the end of that, I had a bee in my bonnet that, um, there wasn't anything available on the pc that would let you create 3d games really easily back then it was it was all middleware you'd have to spend a quarter of a million dollars to buy in this really high end game engine tool and then pay lots of royalties thereafter but there was nothing really just grassroots like a i mean even back then there wasn't even unity it, it was really frontier territory and I wanted to create a programming language that lets you make 3D games. And at that point I'd already started making a 3D game in I think it was DirectX 3. I mean, this is really way back when, with like yes. immediate and retained mode. I mean, really slow graphics cards. <laughs> even not even having graphics cards. I remember the Voodoo. The Voodoo Oh graphics gosh, card.
0: I remember uh, selling yeah. things. You'd,
1: you'd slave three D through the 2D and then the 2D rendered it to the monitor. It was really flaky stuff. And uh, I created a game called COBS, and I won't go into all that. It It was a terrible game, but I learned a lot of 3D whilst I was creating that game. So I thought I could spin that off and create a script. And it was basically a um, uh, programming language called BASIC, Beginner's All-Purpose Symbolic Instruction Code, because it's very easy to pick up and learn and make lots of spaghetti code, but it'll still work. So I thought that'll be the script. So it, was an, it was just an int- I created an interpreter, so I created my own language, created the interpreter, used my 3D engine, cobbled it all together, and I called it Dirt Basic. And mm-hmm. I was having that sort of towards the latter end of, of LEGO, I was playing around with this, and I thought, this would be great if I could make a website finish this off, put an installer around it, and then sell it. I could be my own business. And it was pretty small scale. I mean, I was selling two or three a week to mm-hmm. begin with. But fortunately, I didn't really have any bills or responsibilities, so I could kind of get away with it. you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a bit of money left from um, the, the job I was in. I left, so I didn't get any redundancy. I just walked away. <laughs> but okay. they did give me, they, as they were publishers, they did give me a contract. They said, you go away and create this product and we will publish it for you so I had my publisher great but by the time the solicitors had finished with me it was this big contract across three products and the um the managing director of the company at the time took one look at this contract and says I ain't signing that that's ridiculous why would we sign up to three products and so it ended you know, the solicitors did it to me. So I was just out there mm-hmm. on my own with a website and a product, but those cu- t- couple of sales a week turned into 10 and 20 sales and then 50 and 100. And all of a sudden, and remember, this was back in the day where you'd made your own CDs by burning them and sticking a label on. So it got to be yeah. ridiculous after a while because of the orders and the big sacks going out to the post office every day and the queue getting longer and longer as I was actually putting each one a stamp on each one. So all yeah. of the... Months and months and years I learned to get a bit more professional about how to do that and mass-produce stuff and then strangest thing of all, my project manager who used to work at Europress, he took redundancy and then he contacted me and says, do you want some help? I said, (laughs) so the person who hired me, I end up hiring. So he came on board. And they would change the name, and then we got a, a really good a, a good deal through a company that no longer exists called Activision, not Activision, uh, Actualize, and we did a product called the 3D Game Maker, which is a multiple choice game maker for kids. You literally just pick your level, pick your enemies, pick your bullets, pick your boss guy, and then you can play the game. And there was a magic button. You press that, and the computer would make the game for you. You'd see the most pointer move around and click everything. You'd sit back and watch this game being built, and then it would actually have this random game at the end that you could play, and you could even share it. And there was a commercial license. So if you made something you like, you could sell it, you know, relatively free and things. Not many people made any games that was worth selling, but we sold a lot of commercial licenses anyway. (laughs) And uh, But that was way back when, and of course, it went from the 3D game maker, and then we did the FPS creator. We turned dirt basic into dirt basic professional because instead of interpreted, it was now a proper compiler, so it would produce machine code. Not particularly efficient machine code, but it was 100% <laughs> yours when you'd finished compiling it. And then that obviously went on to um, the fragmentation. Suddenly, it wasn't just the PC anymore. You had the mobile app explosion. So then we had to go into App Game Kit, which is a cross-platform programming language, but all the same kind of heritage, and then that would spin off other little projects we did from time to time. One of them was Freedom Engine, which was an online programming language, and you could compile and run within your browser. So you literally not have anything offline, it would all be inside the cloud. And I thought it was pretty cool, but a bit too revolutionary, nobody wanted it. They still wanted the offline tools because the compiling was faster and all the rest of it. So they weren't quite ready for entirely cloud-based programming compiling and deployment but I'm sure someone else will make a success of that um, in the next couple of years now we're actually getting the speeds up and uh, you can send the processing off to massive server firms to to crunch that a lot faster than any local computer might be able to Uh, and then we're right up to modern day now where I have cornered off a little bit of the game making market in my product called game guru Um, Paul one of my employees, fantastic, intelligent programmer. He's running the uh, App Game Kit, so he's doing all cross-platform, all them horrors. It's really difficult to so simultaneously support six different platforms, but he can do it mm. single-handedly. So it's like an octopus. And then we got Rave, who's now running the My World Action RPG Game Maker. And between those three products. We cover every age range and every use usage scenario, whether you want to program at one end or whether you just want to throw some stuff together within a couple of minutes and have a game that's actually playable and is fun and you can share with your friends. So we've kind of covered the whole lot. I know it's a big ambition for a very small development team operating out of the UK, um, but we're doing quite well and we're pretty happy with how things are going so far.
0: Yeah, now I notice in my world, um, the, the graphics uh, are somewhat simple. Now, is there any way to like, reskin the models uh, on the user end if you wanted to just, it seems to me like it would be a good game creator just to be able to just throw something together really quick and put it out there and, uh, and, and share it with your friends. Now, if you wanted, if you wanted to recostume some of those <laughs> models, uh, are you able to do it in my world or no?
1: Um, it'll be a little bit of both. We've we've learned a lot over the years, and if you give people ultimate customization, they will mostly produce horror, horrible things. <laughs> that then they send out, and then people play those horrible things, and then blame us for <laughs> that capability in <laughs> the first place. It's this Crazy situation, but that's the reality of the situation. So, what My World attempts to do is control the quality level. The game logic is, is highly controlled. The, you can't really mess up the game. Like, for example, the player progression and the enemy strengths and the boss guys at the end. It's very carefully balanced, so you'll never have a bad game experience the graphics are all of a style. So no matter how you mix and match them, it will still kind of feel like a a, a real game that you bought from Steam or wherever else. And if we are going to allow some customization in there, like you can probably reskin, you can actually at the moment reskin the terrains, uh, but you will be able to in the future reskin, say the buildings and the scenery elements. And to some degree, the characters, uh, and the NPCs and the enemies and things like that. But we're very careful not to sort of let someone just drop in some massive sword uh, mm-hmm. in level one and just start killing everything because it would just create a really bad gameplay experience. Now, if you did want full customization, that's when you go from My World to Game Guru because that does let you import anything you want. So that's how we've done it. You know, it, we've, we're very much controlling who the user is. So you've actually got. My world for those who don't want to code, don't want to create, can't really get the head around importing. Game Guru for the importing element, and then App Game Kit for the program everything from scratch. So that's sort of the, uh, the trio. But there will be some customization in the My World. And we may have frozen again. <laughs> just... I'll just
0: type that. Lee, thank you for tolerating this <laughs> intermittent connection. and um, I'm going to address this uh, this evening. Um, un- unfortunately, uh, I-, I am there may be some audio to salvage from this with this, and I am going to address this issue immediately. Um, John Fence, I apologize. Uh, Lee, I apologize for this massive drain on your time. No, that's uh, all right. Again, I I do I I strongly appreciate the time that you have dedicated to speaking with me today. <laughs> um so <laughs> number three. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, we, we were at the customization aspects of My World,
1: mm-hmm. and,
0: and I look forward to playing that. I saw that you had a contest uh, for all My World uh, players on Steam for what kind of a game can you create with this product? Well, the, uh, the
1: competition was much bigger than just My World. And the competition organizers came to us and says, would you like your own segment within the competition? So if you made your game, in chose to make that game in my world, that there'd be an extra prize fund for anyone that actually uses my world. So yeah, absolutely fine. So we put up some money for top three prizes. I think the top one was... $500 or $1,000, something like that, and then staged uh, second place and third place. And uh, it's, it's it's really great to see that, you know, when there's a little bit of a prize pot for people, then they, they just go crazy and they spend hours and hours. And some of the levels that were created better than the ones we added as, as the stock levels within the game, it's almost tempting to say, can we have that level and, and put it in our game? Oh, I think we've just dropped. <laughs> I'm so sorry.
0: Oh. Number four. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, if you are uh, losing patience. At, no, as, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, I'm enjoying these okay.
1: interruptions. <laughs> okay. The
0: <laughs> okay. Oh man. So yes, we were we were going on about how the quality is improving, on uh, the the. Well, not necessarily improving, but the depth to which the development has gone in those levels since the introduction of currency-motivated reward.
1: <laughs> yeah, it won't happen all the time, but we do have competitions a couple of times a year, and it's a really great way to get everyone gravitated towards a, a sort of a single mission, and we can see how the tools hold up, because it is still a tool. I mean, it's in the games category on Steam, and you can just play games and share games that have been created for you, um, but it also has the whole game creation element as well. But I think it had to, for, at least for this one, it had to be a game first. It had to have the instant playability. And once you've got that, and then you give people enough customization that they can sort of change things around a little bit, not mess up the rules, but certainly be able to create their own layouts, then... You can see all that being contributed by the community and then end up with a great result because we got their imagination but our control. Oh, did we drop?
0: Uh, no, we had a hiccup. I don't know <laughs> if that was just a hiccup on my end or if it will be recorded smoothly on your end.
1: Okay, well let's hope.
0: Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, the
1: short, the short version is that when the community get together around a competition and create stuff, the imagination really does fly and you get some great results. So it's always good to see that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um now where do you have a catalog of completed items with game that you would Uh, like to share with
1: us here? Well, I would like to share the catalogue, but our catalogue is called Steam because with with Game Guru, you can not only make your game and, and save it out and share it with your friends, but you can also sell it on Steam. There's no royalties, there's no license fees, there's no conditions. You can use all our logic, all our scripts, all our graphics. There's six gigabytes of game art that you can choose from, and that's just in the core product. I mean, the core products are like $20, and it has six gigabytes of uh, game-ready art in there. That's sounds, music, textures, models, everything. And you can take all that, assemble your own game, and put it on Steam and sell it. And I think there's about 20 or 30 games already on Steam. um, And there's some real pearls in there. But the best ones are still in development. Um, The people aren't releasing them. They keep working on them and crafting them, so they're just so... And then when those come out, maybe to the end of this year and next year, then we're going to have some really nice pearls to hold up and say, this game was done in Game Guru. So it's exciting to see that happen. So yeah, our catalog is Steam.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and it's it's it, it never occurred to me to do so, because in the pack that I got uh, from the gift that was given to me through Humble Bundle, um, that had a couple of example games that I noticed. Uh, I don't. I'm. I'm not even going to bother trying to look for them right now because <laughs> the Wi-Fi connection is iffy for me. And uh, I know that there are a few. Um, but I'm not going to
1: look for them right now. No, you don't officers. have to. I've got them committed to memory. A lot of them are done by our community uh, in the competition. We like them so much. We said, can we put them in the product? They said yes, mm-hmm. if you pay us. <laughs> so oh. we, we paid them something, and we could put it in our product. And they're much better than the stuff I was knocking out. I was so busy writing the games engine. I didn't really mm-hmm. have then time to create whole games, the afterwards so they did it for me and we got in some levels we've got some nice first person action got a cartoony one got a sort of a cell shaded cartoon rendered one and you've got a, a zombie one where you're running around an insane asylum and trying to survive in the so there's lots of different styles and graphics uh but we are looking to improve those games either entirely replace them or take what we've got and then take them to the next level so that's just a uh, one of our mantras with the products we continually improve them there isn't a version where we say that's it we always keep adding things all the time so you're just seeing a snapshot uh when you get our stuff and look at it that's just it at that moment in time so it never really leaves development and so those games will continue to improve or get entirely replaced and on or more of them because we've got a front end that lets you get those games first feels important that people get to play the games you can make Mm -hmm. before you start getting into the, the mode of figuring out how games are made because that can obviously take more time and patience.
0: Yeah, it definitely can. I I can say from my own experience, uh, I have tried to play around with a creator, uh, that is very entry level. Uh, unfortunately it is not. Um, so, so I'm definitely going to go, uh, go to my, Larger more reliable machine um, and and I've got to dive into game guru now uh, Is there any prior knowledge needed for coding to build anything with game guru?
1: No, uh, by default You don't have to know anything about art or anything about programming you literally just select the things you want drop them into your level and then press a big green button, and then the whole thing comes to life. Enemies that you drop in will run around and, and try and shoot the player. Um, you put buildings down, and then you could go inside and go upstairs. You've got uh, water, so you can dig the terrain out, and then water fills it, and then you can sort of avoid the water because we've not added swimming yet. So if you try and go into the water, you drown. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> the player doesn't know how to swim yet, but that's coming this uh, sh- shortly in the next couple of months. So people would be pleased about that because it's like, well, I can swim. Why can't my player character swim? So We're, <laughs> we're totally going to add that in. I think they waited long enough. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's literally like painting your game and then letting us figure out, how oh, does it become, you know, an executable? How do we get it out so everyone else can play it? We've, de- we've dealt with all that. All you got to do is paint your world. But if you want to, there's a Lua scripting language. Lua is pretty popular, um, very versatile and very forgiving Programming language what's really called a scripting language, but essentially you can use that to then create a logic So if you don't like the way we've got the enemy running around or our Objects behave you can go in and change all the logic at a very low level So you can essentially program anything you want within that world, but it's entirely optional You don't need to know programming and you can import graphics from your favorite art package again We've already given you lots of art But if you wanted to, you could create your own 3D models, texture them, and bring them in so it could look completely different than the stock stuff. There's a word often used in this industry called asset flipping, where you essentially Mm -hmm. just take lots of other people's stuff, glue it together in a strange way, and then say it's yours. You can do that if you want, but if you want to get out of that stigma, you can import everything, script everything, and, you know, have something totally unique.
0: Yes. Uh, To you. I, I am more of a fan of, yes, make it yours, asset flipping to a degree, <laughs> but it, it just gets cheesy if you see the same enemy over and over and over and over and over again, you know? Yeah, so, we've seen
1: that in Steam. There were at least three games that all used the same asylum <laughs> level. It's called the asylum level, and the reviewers, the YouTubers who were like, they were just laughing. So like, have I been here before? It was a completely different game, but they're going down the same corridor. It's like, I feel mm. like deja vu. <laughs> and it's because it's the same corridor. Three it's like those cartoons where the backdrop kept repeating, running, and and running, running, and a big long chase. It's kind yeah. of like, it's like, I have a strange feeling I have been here before. <laughs> yes. That's just because, you know, people find it pretty easy to knock something together and get it out on sale and even not very good, titles on steam will probably do okay just because there's tens of millions of users and they're going to check stuff out but they very they know the hard on the games if they are not good the critique is pretty vicious so i think you've got to be you know got a lot of integrity if you're going to put something on steam hopefully we got that just going to wait for the internet to cool down boom, 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 boom
0: you're still there oh my god um. <laughs> oh i was i was getting ready to send you a facebook message and be like no. oh my god i'm so sorry this is you horrifying to me man. you can't get rid <laughs> <Okay>. of me <man. laughs> uh yeah because i mean it's like if you would like to continue this discussion in a date in the future we can go ahead and schedule another time and i would really enjoy the ability to speak with you again okay. without the looming dread of when is my <laughs> Wi Fi going to cut off? Um, <laughs> so we, fun. we can it's fun. You don't know, like to do it again, but
1: I mean, you might be able to salvage bits and pieces from this one.
0: <laughs> I, I know that we are ultimately salvage <laughs> some audio from this. Um, but uh, I I just really would like to continue a discussion with you in the future uh, without the constant threat looming overhead of connection being interrupted.
1: Right, it's a deal. OK, okay. you set up faster Wi-Fi, and I'll I'll be available. I'm, okay. I'm pretty flexible on that score.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Lee, because I really do appreciate it. Um, Oh man, and I never even got to talk with you about the finer aspects of just being a creative person. Like like what were some of the, uh, what are some of the obstacles that you've had to overcome and how did you overcome them?
1: you know, like, uh, you again, it with... like it's hard work. It isn't. It's like, Oh, it's like a big obstacle course and traps and dangers. No, I, I'm still doing what I was doing when I was nine years old. It's, it's mm-hmm. been fun to get to a point where you can make a living out of it. Now that's the real trick. Find something you do as if you weren't being paid for it and then get paid for it. That's the real trick. So yes, I don't call them obstacles, I call them challenges, and if the challenge becomes an obstacle, then I'm, I'll am i just go around it, I'll go somewhere else, because that's where you're going to no fun. I remember when I first got into computers, what that really meant, scholastically, was programming bank databases, and research programs, and rockets to the moon, and all, but that wasn't fun, and when I was showing people my games, they said that you'll never make a living out of writing computer games. It's a waste of time. In fact, one of my lecturers called it flash trash because I spent all my time taking a a banking database menu and adding lots of colors in Pascal because I found out how to change the character colors. (laughs) And and I think I was marked down because mine was more colorful than everybody else's. And of course, look at the situation today. Games uh, are bigger than the music industry. They're hand in hand with the movie industry. It's enormous. It's funny how twenty years can really transform the landscape. And so, no, no obstacles in my life, just endless fun and opportunities.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and and to to any any aspiring developers um, out there, uh, yeah, I think that you did touch on some valuable points, especially with the. Programming and into space, orbit, and things like that—that that (laughs) that makes me think of Richard Garriott quite a bit. Um, Are are you familiar with who that person is? No, no, I don't. Oh, uh, well, he he's known as Lord British. He's the gentleman that created Ultima Online or the Ultima series, yeah. And he did so in the seventies. Uh, with a teletype machine <laughs> when he was still in high school and and his father was an astronaut, you know? Oh, right. So he, yeah, I mean, he sold his little teletype game via mail order and he ended up making more money in one summer that his father did as a NASA astronaut. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the opportunity is definitely there. It's just a... a Manner of finding and filling it, you know. The world's hungry for content. Oh yeah, want to be entertained? Yes. Yeah, I uh,
1: in FPS creator we had seventy-five model packs, costs hundreds of thousands of pounds to develop. And the appetite for it was insatiable. They wanted another 75. It's like there's only so many models in the world before you start doing the same modeling. But, yeah, you can't can't fill that that gap. I think a better idea, especially if you're trying to fill a content gap like that, is teach people to create their own content or at least make that easier to create your own content because then everyone's involved and suddenly we might just be able to provide a world's supply of content i often think you've checked out sort of the technology which is like 3d scanning and 3d printing and stuff that puts the ability to create content in everyone's home and we'll be able to get every object we'd ever want in our game because someone out there has scanned it and put it online i think that's what we're going to see not some overworked artist Endlessly creating content until his fingers are bleeding. We're actually yeah. going to get the rest of the world involved. And it begins with creating simpler, more intuitive tools, things that are going to make our lives easier. Not just you know, curing disease and, and feeding the poor, but just making it easier for people who want to do something but can't. Computers are the t- as tools to help us get things done quicker. And that's all they are, really. They're just machines. They're just hammers and saws and uh, at the moment you still need a degree for use some of these things and we shouldn't need to and really that's one of my missions I can't do it all but in terms of game creation I can simplify that process slightly in some areas for some people and that's the the most I can do but because I enjoy doing it it's no burden and I'm sure I'm getting it wrong as, as much as I'm getting it right but I suppose if you stick with it and you find the pearls you know in the mud then yeah I think some people can benefit from from what what the activity that I do at the moment
0: all right yeah well uh, I, again uh, we I am I'm just I'm gonna go ahead and cut this short while we are still connected yes so <laughs> I, I apologize sincerely for the amount of time that you've had to put up with me, and thank no, you. Nonsense. It's fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, you take care, and I wish you all of the success uh, with Game Guru, which I am definitely going to open up and look at with a more thorough eye.
1: Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> all right. Have a great
0: day. Hey, you too. You have a wonderful one.
1: We'll do. The sun is shining. Bye-bye.
0: This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.